Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 629. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in our Talking Birds audience. Well, we've all heard of LBJs, right? Little brown jobs. Various species of small perching birds that lack bright colors or patterns. Well, one particular individual little brown job is making some big news this week. This one is a hatchling. A 100 million year old hatchling. Scientists say that a fossilized baby bird of a species that lived at the same time as some dinosaurs was recently discovered embedded inside a three-inch-long piece of 100-million-year-old Burmese amber. And they say that the fossil is so perfectly preserved that it's possible to infer what the bird was doing in its last moments of life. And what was it doing? Well, according to researchers from the University of Taipei, the hatchling was hunting. Despite its tender age, the bird already possessed a full set of flight feathers, indicating, say the researchers, that it could probably fly from the moment it hatched and likely did not require any parental care. A stark contrast to nearly all modern birds. The specimen is said to be so exquisite that an artist was able to recreate a precise impression of the bird's plumage patterns and coloring rather plain coloring. One of the researchers described it as, right, a little brown job. Meanwhile, here in June of 2017, it's been almost amber melting hot in many parts of the country. And if you have a car, you may have experienced an especially high level of heat when you opened the door after your car had been sitting in the sun all day. More about that phenomenon in a moment. On a recent Talking Bird show, we spoke about the U.S. withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord and the accompanying concerns about what that means for birds and other creatures, including, of course, people in the fight against global warming. Physicist Alan Hoffman wrote something recently that offered an especially easy way to understand how global warming works. It's his hot car analogy. And it goes something like this. We each experience the physics of global warming when we step into an overheated car on a hot day. Solar radiation from our high-temperature sun passes through the windshield of the car and heats the upholstery. As the upholstery heats up, it radiates energy too, but it's a much lower temperature source than the sun. So while the sun's initial radiation passed easily through the windshield, the lower-intensity radiation from the seat covers is not strong enough to escape back through the windshield, so the car gets hot. In a similar way, global warming occurs when the sun's rays heat the earth and the oceans, which try to send the radiation back, but their lower-intensity radiation is blocked from escaping back into space by those greenhouse gases introduced into the atmosphere. 
So this creates the same heating effect for the planet as it does for your hot car. Thanks to physicist Alan Hoffman for that explanation. That is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a little preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in our show. Clues, our mystery bird is the smallest and maybe the most secretive of its clan in North America. It's a small marsh bird whose upper parts are blackish with fine white spotting. Its underparts are mostly solid gray. Its call is heard mostly at night. The bird winters uh, from the southern U.S. to Central America, feeds by probing the marshy ground for insects and seeds. That's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later uh, in our show. Extra, extra, read all about it. Hey, we're excited to say that we are now up to 13,000 likes on our Facebook page. So thank you, Talking Birds listeners, for that. Here are some of the stories and videos we have you uh, have for you on our Facebook page this week. Beautiful birds made of paper. Diane Beltran creates them, and you just got to see them. We'll connect you to some fabulous photos. Did you know that every morning a large group of volunteers walks the Chicago Loop looking to rescue birds that have collided with downtown buildings? It's true, and our Facebook page will connect you to the video about the good work these folks are doing there in Chicago. And power to the bower, a bird's architectural method of seduction. We'll link you to some pretty amazing photos, illustrations, and a video. And that's some of what's on our Facebook page right now. You can probably find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Still to come on our show today, the birdist, a.k.a. Nick Lund, will be here with another of his birdist's rules of birding. Also this morning, Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's Birdwatcher's General Store will help us recognize juvenile birds in our backyards in our Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next, a bird that doesn't exactly look beautiful or sound beautiful or even smell beautiful, but that can be counted on for dirty deeds done cheap, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. So today's featured feathered friend is really beautiful, right? Okay, uh, our bird makes a sweet sound. Uh, our bird is really elegant. Okay, our bird is hideous and scary looking. It also makes horrible sounds like this. And that's a baby. The grown-up sounds more like this. Keep practicing, baby. Our bird is the turkey vulture, a medium-sized vulture, mostly black with a red, featherless head and upper neck. It uses its keen sense of smell to find the expired animals on which it feeds. That's a messy business, which accounts for that lack of feathers. The turkey vulture relies on its very sophisticated immune system to prevent it from becoming ill on that very specialized diet. Although there is one thing that its immune systems are ill-equipped to deal with, that would be the lead that ends up in carcasses left behind by hunters. The bird will likely survive, though, just as it made it through the run-in with the now-banned DDT banned in the U.S. anyway. 
Turkey vultures have expanded their range northward in recent years from their formerly all-southern territory, and they're now among the most common large carnivorous birds in North America. Partners in Flight estimates a global breeding population of 18 million. It's probably a good thing that you don't have to get very close to a turkey vulture to identify it. It's pretty easy to ID when it's flying, thanks to the way it holds its wings in a deep V pattern, almost like an oversized pigeon making wobbly circles in the sky. Want to hear the sound again? No, I didn't think so. The turkey vulture, Cathartes aura, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us in our show number 629. As always, we invite you to visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. We now welcome back to Talkin' Birds, the one, the only... The Birdist. A.K.A. Nick Lund, author of The Birdist's Rules of Birding at Audubon.org. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? Doing well. Great to have you back with us again, Nick. So you have the Birdist Rule of Birding number 28. Know when birds think you're too close to their nests. That's I take right. it. I take it you think it's not a good idea uh, to get, get too close. Yeah, it's not a good idea. You know, this is, a, this is the most sensitive time of year for a lot of birds. They, you know, usually can fly away from danger, but when they have eggs or, or young babies, the babies can't fly, and so the, the birds are, are sort of tied in this sensitive area, and uh, it's, a, it's a stressful time, and we want to make it less stressful uh, mm -hmm. if possible. And it can be kind of stressful for the uh, person visiting as well as uh, for the birds in some uh, cases, right? Yeah, it sure <laughs> can, because, you know, birds aren't just going to uh, make it easy for you. They're not going to abandon their nest without, uh, without putting up a little bit of a fight, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes they put up a lot of a fight. Uh, yeah. One of the main ways you can tell if you're too close to a nest is if the birds dive bomb you. Uh, I think you've experienced this before, right? I, I have a couple of times, yeah. In fact, right out in the in the back of our, our home radio station here in uh, Marshfield, Mass., we have our little Talking Birds garden, and we're fortunate to have house wrens nesting there. Um, but if you go there to, you know, say hello to them, they don't appreciate it that much. So I had <laughs> one uh, kind of strafe me uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, right up back here, but I also had an encounter with a northern mockingbird. This was, this was a couple of yeah. years ago. But um, I was uh, really dive bombed. I, I wasn't even aware that the nest was there. I was just walking down the street. This is right in the middle of the city of Boston, and yeah. I happened to pass under a tree where the bird, it turned out, was nesting. I was wearing a Red Sox hat at the time, and uh, that mocker swooped down and whacked me right on the big red bee. So well, they're was. notorious Yankees fans, those mockingbirds, <laughs> so it might have been that. Yeah, I should have been wearing the hat backwards. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, mo you know, most of the time you don't know that a nest is there necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, you know, birds will defend it. Uh, they don't know what you know, and they think you're a predator coming to find them, so they'll, mm -hmm. they'll put up a defense. And, you know, d birds dive bomb no matter how big or small they are. Yeah. You know, house wrens are small birds. But also, you know, gulls dive bomb if you get near their stuff, or goshawks are famously... Uh, very uh, aggressive defenders of their nests, and you got to watch out for mm -hmm. them because they can do some real damage. Yeah, and I think in your um, piece you talked about uh, some researchers to, with gulls, and they had to wear what bike helmets. Yeah, they were wearing bike helmets going in because <laughs> these gulls and terns were just pecking at their heads. 
Mm. Uh, you know, these birds are serious about protecting their nests. You know, they they, yeah. uh, they got one chance to keep their eggs around, and, and they don't care what they have to do. Yeah, well, some of them do a more passive thing, like the the, the famous one, I guess, is is a, a, a killdeer, a shorebird the, doing the broken wing display to uh, trick a predator away from the nest. Right, absolutely. The other way to do it is to distract the predator or the person visiting the nest to try to lead them away. And a lot of birds will, um, you know, pretend that they're injured and you know, try to lure someone away to eat them instead. Look, I'm injured. I'm on a, uh, I'm a big, nice meal. Yeah. And then they, uh, they trail them along a little bit. And when they get far enough away, they just fly back to the nest. Fly back the predator, the predator. Is, yeah. is gone. All right. Is something there's else? Other... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, there's some other ones. Some birds will pretend to, to be a snake. Yeah. Try to try to scare them away like that. I'm not sure how well that works. But I've never heard of that before. That. So they, uh, you describe that there's kind of swaying back and forth like a snake would do, and and hissing, right? Yeah. This is this hmm. is uh, talking to a talking to a scientist I talked to. She said some birds will sort of yeah sway around and hiss and try to scare uh, scare predators away. Other birds, and this is a behavior I've never seen, but they'll uh, do what's called a rodent run. Well, they're sort of hmm fluff up and run through the underbrush and make like a like a mouse or something uh, <laughs> another tasty morsel for a potential predator mm. um hey frank you know, make like lots. a mouse look, look check it out <laughs> for me i would say i you know i'd be scared of the mouse and i'd go back to trying to eat the birds it wouldn't work on me but <laughs> wow you know i don't know i don't know what i'm doing you know i think the most common uh nest uh defense is just vocal so uh, you'll hear this a, little, a lot if you know what you're listening for for different species. But um, there are various calls. Sometimes there are, are high-pitched calls that uh, from a, an adult bird to the youngsters to let to get them to, to be quiet. You know, sit still mm-hmm. and be quiet, and that's a, that's a way you know to prevent the the, uh, the youngsters from giving away that they're in the nest. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes birds make aggressive uh, you know defense calls. They'll growl and hiss or or snarl. Uh, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know what to listen for, and it's different across all the species, uh, there's a whole range of nest defense calls out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting back to the aggressive part, uh, I was uh, speaking to our man, Mike O'Connor, a little while ago, and he was talking about being attacked by a ruffed grouse on a trail Whoa. one time, and his wife wound up in a tree. But I don't know if he <laughs> want to tell, he'll want to tell that story uh, or not. If, uh, we may I, I'd like to see it. the video. I hope he got it on video. <laughs> but he got his wife out of the tr- out of the tree. Went back the next day, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good. she was making a nest of her own up in there. Probably. I want to uh, I want to give a plug for your other uh, uh, venue, uh, Nick. In addition to uh, your rules of birding at Audubon. dot org, you have uh, your blog there at thebirdist. dot com. You have a little visual quiz there. Right now, if I can pronounce this, emoji mnemonics. Yeah. A visual, visual clue, a little quiz. Yeah, that's right. Go check it out. I, I, uh, I doing, using my poor Photoshop skills, I put together some <laughs> emoji bird calls uh, to give people a chance to try to, uh, rem- well, you know, it may be helpful to remember, but it also a quiz to try to test your skills in what these birds, birds sound like in, uh, in visual form, in emoji form. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a cool uh, cool way to remember uh, once you once you get those uh, nailed down as well. That's there at thebirdist.com. You also have a report there on your recent attempt, along with some friends, to to what break the Mississippi Big Day record. Down in Mississippi, that's right. At the end of April, 
Um, I, I work with some friends at a group called Delta Windbirds. We, we work together to try to protect shorebird habitat in the Mississippi Delta. And to raise funds for that group, we, we took a shot at the big day record uh, in Mississippi. It's 175 species. We ended up with 168. Ooh. So just off, just off the record, it's pretty optimized down there. Mm. So if you don't hit migration just perfectly, uh, which, which we weren't able to do, um, you can miss a whole bunch of species, and there you go. But we had an absolute blast. We saw a black-whiskered vireo, which is one of only you know a handful of records in Mississippi, hmm. um, and just had a great time. I love uh, southern Mississippi, and, and the birds down there were fantastic. So um, read about it at uh, thebirdist.com and, and support Delta Windbirds. All right. To find Nick Lund online, go to audubon.org and search for Birdist's Rules of Birding, or as we just heard, read the blog at thebirdist.com. Talk to you soon again soon. Take care, Rick. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Hello, this is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I want to tell you about my new favorite discovery, Yosemite National Park. I recently went there with my husband and children, and we walked the trails to see the breathtaking waterfalls, admired the grand meadows, and giant sequoias. But the future of our national parks is uncertain. Many challenges face our parks today, from polluted air and water to development threats outside their borders and inadequate funding to protect our national heritage. That's why the National Parks Conservation Association recently completed a decade-long assessment of the challenges facing our national parks, along with proposed actions that will ensure our children and grandchildren will be able to enjoy the parks as we have. Our national parks have inspired Americans for nearly 100 years. As we approach the centennial of the National Park Service in 2016, please join us in helping to protect our national park legacy. Find out how at www.npca.org. Just before uh, we launch our mystery bird contest, this quick note, if you haven't visited sunrisebirding.com yet, we hope you will right now. If you have even the slightest bit of curiosity about the trip we'll be taking with Sunrise Birding in September to the Galapagos Islands. It's going to be an amazing experience. Please check out the details at sunrisebirding.com. Our mystery bird contest, you're eligible if you haven't been a winner here within uh, the last six months. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. This is kind of a cool, interesting sounding bird. Our mystery bird is the smallest and maybe the most secretive of its clan in North America. It's a small marsh bird whose upper parts are blackish with fine white spotting. Its underparts are mostly solid gray, and that call is heard mostly at night. Our bird nests from southern New England to the Gulf states, or the Gulf Coast states. It winters from the southern U.S. to Central America. It feeds by probing marshy ground for insects and seeds. That's our mystery bird and our prize. Everybody loves this one, the Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder. With unique songbird and blueberries design and a clear view of the birds right at your window. It holds two cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. Mm. Yes. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Take your guess or tell us what it is if no correct answer is received. We'll do a drawing so we'll have our winner anyhow. 
800-900. Meanwhile, it's that time of year in many places for baby birds in the backyard. Uh, let's find out uh, how to know them when you see them with uh, Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we're getting ready to go to the Galapagos Islands. We'll be heading there in September, and we're inviting Talking Birds listeners to join us for this trip of a lifetime with one of the best small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. More cabins have been added, but this trip will be sold out, so don't hesitate. Travel with us to one of the most amazing places in the world, home to abundant and approachable wildlife, including birds that are found nowhere else on Earth, even Galapagos penguins with whom we'll snorkel. They're the islands where Charles Darwin's research led to the groundbreaking theory of the origin of species. And we'll be there during the season when sunshine is abundant and birds and mammals are most active. Galapagos veterans rave about our tour's itinerary. We'll see places and creatures that other tours don't. I'll be your host for this unforgettable trip, along with expert local guides. Please join us. It's easy to find out more at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. Well, HBO has the young Pope, but we have the young Cardinals, courtesy of uh, Mike O'Connor from down there at the Birdwatcher's General Store on Cape Cod. Are you there, Mike? I'm here, and happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Indeed. So the time of year, Mike, uh, the birds have nested. There are some baby birds hopping around or running around, and um, you have some, what, ways to let us know? Well, this time of year we get a lot of questions. You know, (laughs) ever since everybody has a camera now, which is a good thing, people are bringing us in all these unusual photos that they don't quite understand. And one of the most popular ones right now are, are cardinals. Hmm. Um, a lot of baby cardinals around. Well, I'm going to call them babies, but they're really juveniles. They're hmm. fledglings. They're, they're, they're flying around. And and cardinals typically have that big orange-red bill, yeah. but the young ones have a tiny brown bill or are considerably smaller than the adults. Hmm. And so people think they've got a an unusual, unusual species. But baby, basically, it's just a young cardinal. And uh, if you watch it, eventually it'll it'll go to their parents. And the other thing we get a lot, um, people don't understand, is that songbirds are basically full-grown when they fly. Yeah. So if it's birds flying around, it's it's mostly full-grown. So they're not. There's no, it's not like a puppy where it gets bigger over the you know over the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. When they're flying, they're, they're basically the adults. And I think some. I think in some. I think in some species, the the babies are when they start flying actually a little bit bigger than adults. Am I right? Well, they can look bigger, yeah, yeah. because they're, they're kind of puffed out. Yeah. They, still, they still haven't molted into their slick adult feathers. Yeah. So they actually look jum- a little bit more jumbo-y. Mm-hmm. Is jumbo-y, jumbo-y a word? Jumbo-y right? is a word, yes. <laughs> I can verify that. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about earlier that, uh, you know, the, the most obvious young birds are, are robins, waxwings, um, and bluebirds, because instead of being their adult color, they're speckly in the mm. front, especially in the front, and you see them all on the lawn but some birds it's, it's it's hard to tell we'll say chickadees titmice for example they basically look like the adults when they're flying around and so the only way you can tell from them um if you look carefully first of all behavior you know teenagers are goofy at whether they're humans whether they're birds they just look <laughs> odd they're kind of anxious they don't land right they don't fly right but yeah. 
look on the edge of the bill. They still have a little bit of that yellow mm. that the parents used when they're feeding them. It still got, it looks like they just, uh, you know, just finished the, uh, an egg sandwich and they got a little bit yellow <laughs> on the edges of, the, of their mouth. So look for that. Um, also look at the downy, downy and hairy woodpeckers. Strangely enough, they noted for that the males have that big red patch on the yeah. nape of their their head, but mm-hmm. the the young males actually have it on their forehead. It looks like it just you know like they hit the brakes and it shifted forward <laughs> right above their eyes. Yeah, that's a weird thing. I can't say that I I had noticed that before. Yeah, so. it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of odd, and, and you know you wonder even what purpose it serves you hmm. know on the evolutionary scale. Right. House finches. But- they go through a molt. We talked about the birds being a little bit fluffier. And as they're molting, sometimes they're, uh, a few feathers on their head I haven't molted out yet. And I get a lot of uh, horned house finch questions. People come in and say, uh-huh. what are those, you know, that look like little <laughs> devil horns. Mm. And they're just, they're just kind of going through the molt right now. So um, just mostly pay attention to uh, birds' overall behavior and how they carry themselves mm-hmm. as these little birds flying around. And if they, the, you know, they'll shake their feathers or they'll squawk. And it's fun, it's kind of fun. You'll see, like, one species begging from another. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see a grackle trying to get food from, a, <laughs> like, a, like, an adult cardinal, a baby grackle trying to get food from an adult cardinal, and they want nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, then maybe that'll uh, head off some questions from your customers, Mike. We'll see. That's right. And in the meantime, i got to go get my wife out of that tree. <laughs> <laughs> She'll appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. This is the bird we're trying to identify. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Charlie is in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Good morning, Charlie. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. You hear that sound of that bird and you heard those clues. Uh, what do you think, Charlie, on the Mystery Bird? I thought it was a, I'm thinking it's a salt marsh, salt marsh sparrow, but I'm not, it could be another bird. Uh, um, a bird that sounds like, um, who's that famous player there, Willie Nelson? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, what, what did, what did, what did Willie, well, what didn't Willie Nelson do that would be, uh, I'm not sure I'm getting well, the, you there. I gotta think about that. Well, the bird's name, the, the bird had the name Nelson's in the bird. That's how I remember Oh, the, the Nelson's, uh, Nelson's sharp's tail sparrow. I got it. Ah, okay. Uh, but that's not the bird. <laughs> that's not him either, huh? Wow. That's not, that's not the bird. <laughs> but thank you, Charlie. <laughs> thank you. All right, 781-837-4900. Uh, we're going all the way out there to uh, Longmont, Colorado. Jay is out there. Uh, good morning, Jay. Good morning, Ray. Were you influenced by having the name Jay to be interested in birds, Jay? Yeah, you know I was. I yeah. I think that the blue jay was always my sparkbird, fart bird when yeah. I was young. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So you're you're stuck with it now. I am. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right. So uh, Jay, you heard uh, the clue there and uh, the sound of the bird. What, what do you say? Uh, what do you say? Our mystery bird is. It sounds like a a black rail. Sounds like a black rail. It looks like a black rail. It must be a black rail. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice job. Uh, not a bird I think you would see in Colorado, am I right? I've, I've not seen one here, but I think I've heard of them being here. Uh, okay. Maybe in the southeastern part. Yeah, okay. I didn't know they were that in, the, in that western part, but uh, maybe so. So Longmont is, uh, is where? 
It is about eight miles from Boulder, Colorado. From Boulder. All right. Some good birding country out there? It is. Good good wide open. A lot of uh, meadow larks and mm-hmm. other prairie birds. Nice. All right, Jay, stay on the line there. We'll get your address and we'll send you that uh, Droll Yankees feeder. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jay. Jay out there in Longmont, uh, Colorado, correctly identifying our mystery bird, the black rail. And if you want to impress your friends at their next cocktail party, you can tell them a group of rails is known as a hill or a rumor of rails. I guess a rumor makes sense, right? They're kind of very uh, secretive, uh, skulking kind of birds there. We're just about running out of time here. Uh, Next week on our show, we'll learn about the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Bird Sleuth K-12 education program that connects kids to local habitats, biodiversity exploration, and engagement in citizen science projects when we welcome Bird Sleuth program's manager, Jennifer Fee, to our show next week. I'm Ray Brown. Our engineer is Tim McKenney. Thanks for caring about the birds and the planet they inhabit, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors llbean.com by Celestron offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels celestron.com by Birds and Beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee birdsandbeans.com and by Chimani visiting a national park let Chimani guide you chimani.com